amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one.
they they're hitting those those threes and and if somebody's hitting threes all night long and you're getting twos, it's eventually going to catch up with you, and and that's what happened. Clay Thompson shot out of this world, but Oklahoma City lost that game. I don't think Golden State won it. I think Oklahoma State lost it, or Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Oklahoma State. But I think they lost it. The turnovers, and you're at home. You, you've got a chance. You spell blood in the water. You've got the defending champions on the ropes, and you let them off. You're up three games to one, John. Three-one. All you have to do is knock them over. And yet, here we are tomorrow night going into California, seven-point underdog, Oklahoma City. Do you think they have a shot to beat Golden State? Did Golden State exert too much energy over the last two games? really, to have enough left in the tank, even though they're at home? Uh, well, I've already got my money on uh, on, on Golden State. You know, it was funny. I, t- I had Oklahoma City to win this series after uh, game three. I went ahead and grabbed on the adjusted line. And after watching last night and the look I saw in the eyes of the Oklahoma City team, there was no doubt in my mind that they thought they lost the series. No doubt at all in my mind that they thought by losing that game last night, they lost the series. And I think that, uh, I, I think that's, that's a scary thought. And I, I honestly, I think that's what's going to happen. I think Golden State can actually wipe them the floor off of 20, 30 points. That's just, that's why it's so important in any sport you play to close it out. You have to, I mean, it's not just about talent. As, as we saw, I think Oklahoma State or Oklahoma City is a lot. I think they're a more talented team than Golden State, honestly. When I look, when I match them up, man for man, look at the, the bench. I, I like that. I, I just like them better. The Thunder is a better team, but mentally they don't have it, Jonathan. They don't have the experience. They don't have that championship under their belt. They don't have the seventy plus win season, and that's where Golden State. You know, shooting those threes, man. When you hit, how many he hit? Eleven threes last night. How many points? I think it was like fifty. What was it? Fifty-six points or something, something like that. Fifty-four was off three pointers. I think they hit eighteen last night, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I want to say that was the number. Uh, I mean, just amazing the the performance they had. I mean, if you look at it, Golden State couldn't miss from three, and obviously Clay had a lot to do with that. OKC went three for twenty-three. That's that's atrocious. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that's the game right there, if you think about it. If they just hit a few more three-pointers, I mean, and, and and Durant, Jonathan, let's not kid ourselves. He forced a lot of bad shots. He pulled mm-hmm. up one from about half court and didn't even hit the rim. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know what he was doing. I don't know what he was thinking. You remember what I'm talking about. You remember the – Yeah. You remember he pulled up and he just total air ball. And I'm just sitting there thinking, what are you doing, man? I mean, I've never seen anything like it, the choke job he had. But the game before in Golden State, that's why I thought Oklahoma Oklahoma City was going to win it, Jonathan. It was because of the night, the two nights before in Golden State. That was a nine-point game, and Durant put 40 up. And I thought, you know what, it's over once he gets back. I mean, games three and four were massive blowouts. And now all of a sudden they come back. And I just had a bad feeling throughout this game. Like, it was just too close for comfort. Every time the lead would get to seven, eight, or nine, to come Clay Thompson with two threes to cut it to three. And I'm like, man, it's just they could never put them away. Um, the officiating was terrible. Both sides, both sides of the officiating 
were terrible. I don't think one team benefited from it. I think the refs suck. That's just the, the honest truth. And at the end of the day, you get out, you win every court, every job, and the Thunder won't cut the floor. You can't get outscored by quarter. That's what got them. That's it. Yeah, I mean, Golden State just wanted it more in that fourth quarter. It seemed the whole second half uh, there was more urgency from the Warriors. And, I mean, we're, we're everybody's hoping that we're set up for a dandy for game seven, but I just have a really bad feeling about it. Well, it's mentally, I swear, half of it's over half mentally right now. But you think about it. This is what I was trying to get. 21 of 44 Golden State from the three. Three of 23. So you think there's 18 points, 18 shots different, 54 points. Golden State had the advantage in three-point shooting. You're not going to win a game getting outscored by 54 points from the three. I'm sorry. That's 47%, almost 48% for Golden State, 13% for OKC. And the free throws were terrible for both the 68 and 62. Oklahoma City had that one. The rebounds, you know, offensive boards, Oklahoma City did what they were supposed to do. They won the rebounds. But the assists, five in a little bit. Golden State was seven more assists, 11 steals compared to the nine of Oklahoma City. Even Oklahoma City had 10 blocks. Both of them had 15 turnovers. I'm, I'm just trying to find the advantage, and the points in the paint was dominated by Oklahoma City. So at the end of the day, Jonathan, the problem I see here throughout this thing was the three-point shooting. Everything else was was won by Golden or was won by Oklahoma City. They won it big time, 47% to 13. It's not going to cut it. How does Oklahoma City come into game seven and still won from the defending champions? After a, a, how will they win? If they're going to win, if we, if we look up tomorrow night and Oklahoma City pulls it out, what happens? Um, I mean, for Oklahoma City, they got their defense has got to come back. You know, they cannot have the same performance they had last night uh, defensively and giving up all those threes. Because what they had been able to do so well in this series was the length of guys like Durant, Adams, um, even Westbrook was able to disrupt uh, Golden State as far as it went for them trying to get their threes. Uh, you know, they were able to de- to deflect, to block shots. They got to figure out a way to get their defense back, and not only that, but they def- they got to make sure they dominate the uh, the boards again. That that's been a big thing this whole series. They got to make sure they dominate the boards. You can't go three for twenty three from three. You're better off if you're that cold. You're better off not taking threes uh, if you're OKC. Maybe <laughs> at the end of the shot clock, somebody's got to put one up. That's fine. But if you see another three for twenty three up there for OKC. Just go ahead and don't even bother. All right, it's over. All right, they got blown out. You know, we, the the nights they had, they had a terrible performance exactly like that against San Antonio in game one. When San Antonio just blew the doors off of them, and everyone went, oh, well, this will be a short series. So it'll be interesting if they bounce, bounce back shooting-wise, but if they have another three-point performance like that, just, just don't even bother. And my my question becomes, where does Durant go? Because they shoot like that again. I don't, I don't know why he'd want to stay around. I mean, it's his fault. It's his fault. Why are going to run in the league when it's his fault? And here's the deal. Westbrook's the leader of that team. There's he's the, To me, he's the most feared player in the NBA. I would hate to 
Westbrook, but the guy is a nutcase sometimes. He does fall apart. Yeah, I mean, seriously, he, he falls apart. But looking at Golden State, man, they made 36 buckets, Jonathan, and 21 of them were threes. I mean, that's unheard of, isn't it? I mean, that's <laughs> – I mean, forget it. I mean, even at home, they, they can't shoot that good. I mean, that was on the road. Anytime you carry a weapon like that with you, you can win on the road in the NBA. I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to matter where you play. If you hit shots like that, you're going to win. So I don't think the home court is really going to matter tomorrow night when it comes to that. I don't think Golden State can shoot better than that. I just don't. I'm sorry. I just, I'm not going to, I'm going to say the rebounding is key and free throws. How many times can Durant get to the line, Westbrook and those guys? And they have to hit once they get there. I've noticed Oklahoma City started missing some free throws, Jonathan. And I think – People don't look at that, mm-hmm. but late in that game, how many free throws did they miss? Ah, goodness. You know, and it's funny you bring that up because that's been a long-standing uh, dilemma with them that people have talked about for a while is their free throw shooting and how it is It is suspect. So, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that's that's definitely something they got to pay attention to and focus on. And, I, and I'll tell you one thing that surprised me, the offensive rebounds that Golden State was able to get last night. They they, they did get out-rebounded on the offensive board, but they still got 12. And when you can do that, all that does is I want to know how many three-pointers were made on those offensive rebounds. And I guarantee you probably half of those 12 offensive rebounds or three-pointers dropped in. I mean, this guy – and I know I know he can shoot. Clay Thompson is a great shooter, but you have to put somebody on him for God's sake. That's Oklahoma City looked lazy last night. Like they had this series one, the hunger was low. I mean, they, they would go through spurts where they looked okay and hungry, and then they let them just crawl back in it. Um, I don't know if it was rigged or not, but it just looked it just looked weird the last three minutes of that ball game with with Westbrook and Durant the way they started playing. Either they choked and they went brain dead or they were bought off. I'm hoping they were bought off and they're going to win game seven. But you you got to play odds too, Jonathan. Can Golden State win three games in a row against a team that's better than them? I, and I'm, I'm sitting here telling you Oklahoma City is a better team in my mind than Golden State. I just think they are. they they got the two best players in the NBA right there on their team. But I, I think rebounds are the key, offense and defense have to find together free throws. Um, I think those are key, Mike. How many times on the road can Durant get to the free throw line? How many times on Westbrook? Uh, I don't know if he's going to show up or not, but you have to call in six four six seven sixty four. Jonathan and Oklahoma City get Ibaka consistently. So it's just like he's up and add him out for a couple of series and do real well, and then you won't see him again. Yeah, well, I mean, the problem with with uh, OKC and Ibaka is that they tried to make him a stretch four. And he, I mean, to be uh, completely honest, he didn't want to be a stretch four. That wasn't his game. Uh, Ibaka's big thing was people were afraid of him when they went in the paint. Um, and offensively, it was kind of the same game plan you have for DeAndre Jordan, just throw it up for, a, for an alley-oop. So now, now that you know they they keep they moved him outside of the paint, which doesn't benefit him. And then Stephen Adams and Cantor, especially Adams, have had the growth they've had. 
he's no longer the third wheel in the offense. He's no longer a focal point. And I, they definitely need to make sure they have him checked in because if he doesn't care, then that team's going to suffer not only offensively but also defensively. Yeah, and I like the play of Adams and everything. If he's not getting kicked in the midsection, he's going to make some stupid fouls. I mean, I know just last night he was out there trying to guard Curry at the three-point line reaching in. It's about half court. It was close to that. What is, what is he doing at half court? I mean, he gets called for stupid fouls, but they're stupid fouls on TV last night. Like, that's just stupid. That's the first thing I thought of. Like, what are you doing? Um Let's look at the coaches here, Palmer. Just one second. Steve Kerr, there with Donovan. I've never been there. He had won two national championships in college. Kerr won an NBA Finals. Who do you give the edge to in coaching tomorrow night? Uh, if I had to give one of these to the edge, um, I'm going to lean Steve Kerr because, I mean, he has been there before. You know, he made the same trip last year, made the same run. So I'd give him the edge over Billy to where Billy's been learning on the job this whole year. Not to say he's a bad coach. Actually, from what I've development I've seen from Donovan this year, I think Billy Donovan has a chance to be a top ten, top five coach in the NBA. But right now I think Steve Kerr is the better of the two. Do you think I'm wrong when I say I think Oklahoma City is a better team? you think I'm reaching a little bit, or, or do you see what I'm saying? I mean, my thing with Oklahoma City is, well, all right, so let's do this. Point guard, let's call it a wash. You're Steph Curry against Russell Westbrook, I call it a wash um, because they're two different players, but they're both great. Um, look at shooting guard. Would you rather have Clay Thompson or – Deion Waiters. I'd rather have Clay Thompson. Okay. That's well, a small I'd rather have <laughs> You'd rather have Waiters than Clay Thompson. All right. Uh, no, you look at the three. Waiters doesn't, even, Waiters doesn't even start. Oh, well, the, who? Roberson? I mean, is that who started? Is Roberson? Yeah. All right. Yeah, but and, and it's very really Durant. All right. So, you know, then you have Durant against, um, let's say, uh, Harrison Barnes. Obviously, it's Durant. Then you go down low, and it's kind of a pick your poison, but Draymond Green or Steven Adams, well, they're two different guys. You know, so I don't know. In the starting lineup, I don't know if OKC is the edge. I think that you would almost be willing to say they do. Bench-wise, yeah. I'm looking at Golden State, you know, with Azalee and with uh, Iguodala and with Sean Livingston against Deion Waiters, John Singler, uh, and, you know, like cancer, I mean, I would rather have Golden State's bench, and I think that's where they separate themselves. Um, and, you know, I, I just think it's hard, you know, and at the same point in time, Oklahoma City won, what, 55 games in the regular season? Golden State won 73. I mean, that kind of answers a lot of questions right there, and Golden State swept them this year in the regular season. So, yeah, you know, I mean, I, honestly, I think Golden State's better. I just think OKC got hot, and now they've cooled off, and they're panicking. Well, I would say that Westbrook, and I, I see what you're saying. It's a wash. With, they're both great, but I think Westbrook's the best player on the court when they play. Now, shooting the shooting the basketball, 
I, I don't care who you are. You can't say that there's two people on the court that can do better than Curry and Thompson. They're they're by far the two best shooters in the on the court, and, I, and that's what showed mm-hmm. last night. The two the two combined combined for seventy two points. I mean seventy two points of two. And let's go to the other big two. Let's see that. So Durant Westbrook got stomped in the ground, and then you didn't like to bench. Eleven points from the bench of OT, eight from Canner, and three from Wader. That's just not going to cut it on the road. If you're going to win a road, someone's going to have to come in and get double digits. A couple of people are. You're not going to be them with your start five. We'll say no Golden State bench. Ten points from the bench, but again, bench play matters at home. I mean, like Golden State, Iguodala, and all those guys play a lot better at home, and that's what worries me. Bogut is a is a ton better player. In Golden State, it wasn't last night in OKC. That concerns me a bit. So, what you're going to have to have is you're really going to have to have Ibaka step up, Adams, those guys step up, and play the games like tomorrow night. Is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? No. They're a seven-point underdog at this time, and that's just, that's a lot of points. I mean, I mean, it's really not a lot, but Oklahoma City last night was the first time they were. If you'd like to weigh in on this, guys, 646-716-5564, press number one, so I know you want to talk. But, but Jonathan, it's going to take a perfect game. It's going to take a perfect game in Oklahoma City. And after last night, like you said, looking into their eyes, do they have it left in? That's, I guess you're saying no. I'm going to say why not. Let's roll the dice. Let's, let's see what the Thunder can do. Because I think they have the two best players on the court. And we'll see if they can go on the road and and get pissed off and play basketball. Because Durant is is he going to go on like that? Is he going to run out of the coward and leave OKC, or is he going to get a chance to, to win a ring? But flip it over. Which team has the best chance to beat Cleveland? And if I'm not mistaken, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, the Cleveland would have home court advantage if Oklahoma City wins, right? Right. Or would it? The All Star Game, the All Star Game, that I'm trying to remember. No, that's only in baseball. Cleveland would have home court against okay. OKC. Okay, so I think Oklahoma City would be uh, that would be a great seven game series. What do you think? About? Who do you think has the best chance to beat Cleveland? Maybe you're going to say Golden State because of the home court advantage matchup wise. Well, I mean. Matchup-wise, it, it, it's tough because the the way so for me the way you beat uh, Cleveland, big guy down low and a point guard. Well, both these teams have excellent point guards. Uh, you know, because Kyrie Irving, well, he probably couldn't guard the stool I'm sitting on. So you put Westbrook against him, who's going to slash, or Curry, who's just going to shoot over him. I mean, they both average 30-35 a game easy. So you need a big guy down low that can put up some points. Well, in all honesty, Draymond Green can get down low and put up points against this team. Um, you know, yep. if an E.B. Bogut or Azili could actually combine to have a big night, OKC, you'd see big nights from Cantor, and you that Stephen Adams would dominate the series. So what you need is a defensive stopper against LeBron. You need somebody who defensively can wear LeBron out. Golden State is Iguodala, and we see how he you know, he can he he just gets on Durant and can pester and annoy Durant like nobody's business. And we saw last year Iguodala led Golden State to a championship by 
anointing LeBron at the all-time greatest LeBron moment in his career, and he couldn't do enough. And I think if Iguodala much help. Well, well, that that's kind of neither here nor there. He actually had defense at point guard. You know, Steph wasn't allowed to run wild. They made that series defensively, you know, very defensive, and the better team just won. You know, you can't tell me that putting Kyrie on that floor makes Cleveland better. Here's the problem. Could it, does, is Kyrie going to score more points than Deladova? Yeah, but he's going to give up more points. You're almost better off leaving Deladova on the bench. Cleveland saw that in the Detroit series. They benched Kyrie for six minutes at a time towards the end of the game just so they could get a stress run. So I, I honestly, yep. you know, looking at it, Kevin Love, does Kevin Love make a difference? We don't know yet. Honestly, we don't know if Kevin Love can make a difference. He's a I think Golden guy. State. I think Golden State matches up better. I think Golden State uh, would have the better chance of uh, taking down Cleveland. Yeah, and, and when it comes to post plays with Cleveland, you know they have not. I mean, LeBron James, he may get down there and beat his way down there every now and then, but there's zero post game for Cleveland. And I think you're right about who to come in there and. I just I don't think they would have the answers that they need to be able to to stop Green or to stop anybody from Oklahoma City and I don't know I it's hard to say but LeBron is I just wonder if it's going to be game three or two he's going to cramp up and if he's played into one of these and he'll have some excuses to make he's going to throw a couple of teammates under the bus but I just don't see Cleveland beating either one of these. I went to Golden State, and they shoot too well. And I know Cleveland's trying to be Golden State, shooting 80 degrees a game, but they're not Golden State. I'm sorry. Um, I, I just think Golden State will shoot out of the gym. But I think Oklahoma City-Cleveland would be the best matchup. Like, if you want to get your money worth, you want to watch seven games, I think that could be your seven-game series. Golden State could finish Cleveland off in five or six, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, after what we saw last year from um, from the Golden State-Cleveland series, you know Golden State's coming back. I mean, Golden State admitted, they said the moment got too big for them. And that's why they struggled in, 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 in the games last year. So, I honestly, I think if Golden State was back against Cleveland again, it'd be a quick series. Whereas I would think Golden State would be a more dragged-out series, especially since they haven't been there since 2012 where they had a series robbed from them by the refs. Yeah, you know that, well, when, when you said that, the moment was too big for them. I think that's what happens to a lot of teams in the past we've seen, especially in the Super Bowl, right? Carolina and Denver, that was just way too big of a moment. For them. They were the better team. I think Carolina would have never been mm-hmm. on a stage of that magnitude, and they just they couldn't do it. Where Denver was humiliated there seven years before, so... It doesn't matter that you have, mm-hmm. you have experience. But I don't know. I'm going to say Oklahoma City takes care of Golden State and we have a, a great final. But does the NBA care? Does the NBA care which team out of the West plays Cleveland or are they a winner either way? They're a winner either way because, uh, you know, obviously if Golden State gets there, ooh, look, the record, ooh, this, ooh, that, yeah, that's cool. All right, you know, at the same point in time, 
the rematch would, you know, some people don't want to see the rematch of those two teams, of uh, Cleveland and Golden State. Whereas, you know, you're always going to win when Cleveland's there because whether anybody wants to admit it or not, there is the curiosity of, will Cleveland, the city of Cleveland, finally get a championship? So either it's your matchup is can Golden State cap off the greatest season in NBA history? Or can Kevin Durant stop LeBron from getting his first ring by getting his first ring? Or getting the city of Cleveland their first ring by getting mm-hmm. his first ring? So you're going to have a good storyline no matter what. I just think the NBA is pushing the Golden State one a little more because they don't want to hear it. If Golden State doesn't make it to the finals, they don't want to hear all the Chicago Bulls players from the 96 team jawing off. I, I really think that that bothers – Leagues, just like I think the NFL is kind of sick of the '72 Dolphins. Hey, how about LeBron James making it to six straight NBA Finals? Man, that's, that's pretty amazing. But he is in the East, though. Oh yeah, I mean it's an amazing run. There's no doubt about it. Um, and you know the the obviously that Joe Gasaha, he's in the East, and yeah, I mean he's in the East, but he's run up against some stiff competition. So, you know, it's not like the Boston team that, you know, he faced early uh, were a bunch of nobodies. Those Bulls teams were tough. Uh, the Pacers for a couple of years. We thought the Pacers were going to take them out at one point. So, you know, I, I mean, obviously it's, it's been nice to have that advantage, but, you know, it's it's still an accomplishment that I, I just kind of marvel at. You know, six straight finals. It's I'm gonna tell you, I just I just said that. Mm. Like right when I got it out of my mouth, Sonny sent me a message and said, Did I read it right? The six championship series in a row for LeBron. Yep. He's right. I I can't wait to hear Colin Coward, Jonathan. How how much do you think he's gonna talk about LeBron all week? That's all he talks about. How great oh, LeBron Colin's an is. Idiot. He is, isn't he? I I tried to get him to conversate with me on Twitter just for a minute, but he never would. He's a coward. But he cowherd. He's a coward. His name's his name's perfect. He takes calls. I listen to this idiot. Take people's calls that only agree with him. But if they do disagree with him, he mutes them and calls them stupid and hangs up on them. So yeah, he's a real he's a real genius there. That Colin Coward is. But I've never seen anyone on one player like I have. Like he's LeBron. Like my God, he he thinks he probably thinks he's better than Jordan, but he's. But he's not. But anyway, Toronto, what about – how bad did they look? I mean, after that game five, they lost to Cleveland. They won two in Toronto to even it up. After getting beat by 40 on the road, they gave up, didn't they? They they had no business playing game six. They just didn't even show up. Yeah, they they really had no business being there. Uh, it's still a, a great season for Toronto. Let's uh, – let, let me say that. You know, to, go, to have the season they did, the run they went on, um, you know, hats off to them. But obviously uh, they showed some deficiencies on the court <laughs> against Cleveland in game six and game five. And those are things that they can't and address. And oh, and God. I mean, really, well, yeah, God. They really Toronto only played two games in the series. Four. Toronto won those two games because Cleveland let them. And they, I'm serious. It was They were toying with them. And there was never a chance at Cleveland. It was just to, to make people lose money and to bet on Cleveland. I'm telling you, this is all about the money. Tomorrow night, everybody's loading up on Golden State just like you are, and y'all are going to go to the bank and 
Vegas is going to be rich because, or excuse me, all the illegal bookies are going to be rich because only 1% goes through Vegas. So. Anyway, yeah. but hey, if you want to talk about the NBA Finals, we're, we're here. Um, but we're going to be following it through throughout the week. We'll probably have a show sometime during the week to discuss, preview the, the Finals. And maybe even tomorrow night, well, it'll be too late since they start at midnight almost on the West Coast to, to watch the <laughs> basketball game. But anyway, Jonathan, did Florida State come back real quick and beat Clemson today, or did they fall short? I, I didn't get to catch it. Uh, the last I checked, uh, they fell short 18 to 13. Um, uh, real shame considering they gave five earned runs. The game should have been tied if, if not lead, but it is what it is. I mean, it's a weird, it was a weird day from the get go with the rain delay and everything. Um, you know, the fact that we're in the AC championship. I like watching softball better than I do baseball. It's just a lot faster and a lot. More energy. Am I am I weird for saying that? Because I watch a baseball game and it's just I, I just hate the aluminum bats in baseball right now. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've, I've always enjoyed watching college baseball. It probably doesn't hurt that I know some of the players, um, but I, I've always enjoyed it. So it's definitely uh, going to be the first one I tune in. But I am watching softball, especially uh, with this year. Um, the Lady Knowles are making the trip to Omaha. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Auburn? obviously any Auburn who I won money on today. Oregon? Uh, Oregon? Oregon you made it. Uh, Georgia who brought me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I, I love, you know, college World Series, whether it's softball or baseball, I love it. I really do. I think it's phenomenal. Um just because you you get athletes who care, and they show up, and they play hard, and it's a sport that at some point in our lives we've all played, and I think that's what makes it a little easier to grasp. Uh, but it's all something we've played or had family played, and it's just it's wonderful. I love Omaha. I've, I actually, you know, one of my buddies, he never watched college World Series before. I got him to tune in and watch some of the college baseball this week, and he said it, it was phenomenal. And, and it's, it really is. A, College sports, I believe, is better. Yeah, it is. You guys, I've never admitted to many people. People know, but I, I coached basketball for seven years. And in five of those years, I actually made lines for people to bet on the games. And the games that I made lines on, I wasn't was coaching, I was officiating in Johnson. Uh, it's pretty fun thing on kids, you know. And, and officiating, you have money on the game. It, it kind of changes everything. <laughs> but I was always I was always ethical. But there was a couple of times when when I was favored by double digits, and towards the end of the game, you know, I'd get a technical foul or something, and let the team shoot two free throws and cover by one or something. Or you know, it was never letting them, letting my team do it. It was always me doing it, making sure I had the right scrubs in to not cover the spread. So I made a little money back in my coaching days. <laughs> oh my goodness, Pete Rose over yeah. here of basketball. Yeah, but I never bet against my team though. I never bet against them, and that's that's all that matters. Yeah. But I'll, I'll be okay. like, yeah, I'm gonna favor us twelve points tonight over a team, and people would take the twelve, and I'd beat them by twenty five. And then when I favor us favor us twelve, and they would take the other team, I would 
make sure to, to get that one extra free throw in there, maybe, or something. Make sure I leave my starters in just a little bit longer. So it was fun. But Jason's going to come on real quick. And uh, before we move on to the college, what's going on, Jason? How you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. How you guys doing tonight? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you fine. And your, your Oregon Ducks are in the college softball world series, and I, I think they have not, a good shot to win it all. Not yet. We need one more win. One more win. Ah, um, you, you're going to get it. You're playing the Pac-12. To, yeah, hopefully. And um, to Jonathan, the baseball goes to Omaha. Softball goes to Oklahoma City. Yeah. My bad. It's all good. So. It's all good. Yeah. But the Oregon Ducks will play Auburn if they if they beat UCLA, Jonathan. Auburn, Oregon will be playing Thursday at I think two thirty and I don't know if Auburn matches up well with Oregon, but we'll see. Um Florida State will be playing Georgia. Georgia swept Florida yeah, on the road. I mean mm-hmm. the, the favorite to to get in there yeah, and win this whole thing. It opens it up. I think there's three teams that I think four. I think Florida State can win it, but I think your favorite. Michigan, Oregon, and Auburn. I think those three have been very consistent. Am I missing another team in there? Let's name um, them. Let's let's name them. Oregon's one. Just say so they made it. Say Oregon. And there's four teams in the SEC. That's five. There's Florida State, Michigan, and Oklahoma. Right. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. LSU. Oklahoma. That's good. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Oklahoma. Oh, I've already named four teams. Yeah, yeah Oklahoma's on a limit streak. All right, anything you want to talk about, Jason? Because I know my listeners don't want to hear about girls softball. I think. Um, with the NBA finals, I think um, Cleveland has a better shot against Golden State. If you guys remember last year, Kevin Love and the Kelly Irvin, Irvin played the game one but hurt his knee and missed the rest of the finals last year. Um, I'm not certain to pull the trigger that Cleveland will win it, but um, it'll be a better series. Um, last year, it says it could possibly go seven, but if Golden State shoots the ball like they usually does, they should go back to back. I'm tired of watching. I'm tired of watching that kind of basketball, man. I'm I'm just over it. I want to see. I like Oklahoma City. I don't like Cleveland because I don't like Cleveland. Don't get me wrong. I didn't want to see that matchup. So I, please, Oklahoma City, win tomorrow night. I don't have to pull for Cleveland. Please, please. I can't pull for LeBron James. I mean, why not just root for the city of Cleveland to finally get a championship? Forget who the players are. Just show the city some love. Why do I care about Cleveland? I don't know. Maybe they care about you. They don't care about me. They never did anything except let us win a World Series. At least the Braves got one World Series that I remember, and it was against uh, Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> if you ever want to win a championship, make sure you, just make sure you're playing Cleveland, and, and you'll get it. But Jason, man, thanks for joining us. Uh, we're about to get into college football. Let me know if you want to get back on. Quinn's in the studio. Probably watching Tombstone, listening to the show, but but Jonathan, let's talk before we let's talk about the big story in college football. Let's talk about what's going on in Ole Miss. 
are old piss after they're getting done. They're, they've already self-imposed a bunch of scholarships. Um, from my experience in watching this and researching, Ole Miss is about to get hit with some heavy, heavy, heavy penalties for cheating. And um, What do you think? Ole Miss, all of a sudden they got good. Hugh Freeze came in. They started landing some of the top recruits in the country. And uh, what do you think? Are they are they going to get in some deep trouble in Ole Miss if you're already self-imposing scholarships? And I think it's probably bad. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I think things have gotten pretty bad there. Um, you know, and the whole thing was everything that happened what happened uh, under Houston. Not, none of these football things happened under Hugh. Yeah, that's not what happened. This looks very ugly. It looks like it all started with Laramie Tunzel. For as good as a player as he was, goodness gracious, he was the worst thing to ever happen to Hugh Freeze, worst thing to ever happen to university. Uh, He really was. I mean, great great football player, no doubt about it. But he has to be the worst thing. His stepdad goes to the NCAA and rats on him. He rats on him. Uh, His financial advisor rats on him. I mean, damn. So, you know, I think the NCAA yeah. is going to come at him. I think the NCAA is going to come at him hard. It's like a, a, a free a free investigation here. Come on in. I mean, it's like me. It's like the other night when Quinn was admitting to selling drugs and stuff, you know, on air. I sent that tape to the police, and they're, they are looking into it. But anyway, you don't, you don't get on <laughs> national TV and, and – and say your team, you you got paid by your. T- I mean, if I'm Miami, I don't I don't even want him anymore. I mean, it's like if you would do that, if you would get on TV and say that about your former team, I mean, you show no no loyalty whatsoever to your team. I don't don't think that because Ole Miss is cheating, and we know that. Here's what happens when you, when you beat Alabama two years in a row. You're going to get an investigation, right? I mean, that's usually what what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think, and I remember some booster, some Colin Coward was talking about it. There's some coaches from Alabama that are infuriated with what's going on at Ole Miss. Is it because they're they're beating him with a punch, or, or why are they so frustrated? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look. Alabama and their coaches and their fans need to realize that the minute the curtains pulled on what they got going on, it's going to fall quicker than Mike Shula. All right, so they need to go ahead and understand that while this whole old Miss thing is going on, they need to go find a corner and go see it in it. Because ain't no good coming out of them running their mouths right about now. Coaches play well, I this is get investigated. They're gonna. It's gonna be like the Southwest Conference. You remember when eight, eight of the teams, six of the eight, were on probation? That's what mm-hmm. happened. Be careful, but but if all this and you have a response to the NCAA and it's 154 pages, you may be in trouble. <laughs> Just let them. 154 pages. 154 pages. I mean, who's the bad man in Ole Miss is what I want to know because it's, it's going down. I mean, Ole Miss, mm-hmm. he will probably get Ole Miss longer. I don't think you can keep him if, if these accusations are true. Paying the players, um, 
faking ACT scores, tests. Uh, there's a lot going on, Jonathan. Do you know anything that I'm missing here? Um, I know it says a part of Tunsil's reinstatement last season, he had to repay the value of his extra benefits to charity and make a $3,000 down payment to the dealer. The NCAA also added that Lindsay Miller Tunsil's estranged stepfather received 800 from the Ole Miss booster on August 2nd, 2014. Had the booster provided Miller and other members of his family free lodging in Oxford on twelve occasions. Um, it's probably about $2,500 value, which I'm, there's a lot more than that. But I'm just saying, when you start doing this stuff, and you start giving benefits, jobs, are you, I'm here, I want to know, is that your phone or mine? No, it might be mine, hold on. Get it together, man, get it together. There we go. But anyway, it's, it's bad when you start giving people jobs, paying the bills, giving them free lodging and everything. And I'm telling you, council's not the only one. Okay, right. so you're about to find out that the people were involved in this. All, all these top players are getting because of improper benefits. So, so here's a give me the percentage of Hugh Freeze starting the season at Ole Miss this year and being the coach. Well. If I had to throw a number at it, you know, I got I got to say it's like eighty percent. I mean, that's that's a tough that's a tough one because yeah. you look at it and you go, he shouldn't be there. Like he shouldn't survive this. But at the same time, you know, the university is going to go. Well, what are we supposed to do? You know, they don't want to pull a Baylor and fire their coach this late, this early, however you want to put it in the year, because then you're stuck with nothing. So Ole Miss will probably try and drag Q out for a year before letting him hang out to dry. And I think that would honestly be their best course of action. So you, it's a double-edged sword because if you let it, if you let him come in there, and you know Ole Miss will probably win eight or nine ball games maybe, and and all of a sudden in the winter time they, they come out and hammer in an old miss or during the season, then you have to start worrying about recruiting for the following year. That's what that's where the tricky part of this is. You have to be careful. You're right. If you fire Hugh Freeze now, it, your season's over. I mean, this year's gone. So you, you're, you're in trouble anyway. So you have to be careful not to fire him now, and you have to be careful not to let him linger too much in the recruiting because – now, if I'm a coach, if I'm offering Alabama, whoever, I'm using this all against them. I'm putting the fear of God in the kids, and these kids will not commit to Ole Miss because you know they're not going to be paying eight players right now with this going on, this investigation. They're kept out in Oxford right now. So, safe to say that Ole Miss is not going to have a very successful 2017 recruiting class. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, you know, it does look like the recruiting class, if the shakeup happens that we expect, will uh, take a tumble. <laughs> this is old piss. This is not Alabama, a team that if they got on probation, they could reload and, and make it back. You saw what probation do. You saw how Alabama for about seven years there. They were losing to Louisiana Monroe. They were losing to the inferior opponents, but it can kill you, and especially if you're a team, a one-hit wonder like Ole Miss is. But here's the deal. You do all that cheating. You, you've done all the cheating, but what do you have to show for it? Where's that trophy case? 
at least say Auburn cheated, or you say at least we got a national championship out of it. What did Ole Miss get? What did they win? Uh, Beating Alabama two years. What have they done? Um, a couple more applicants exactly. and maybe a rivalry game trophy. That's about it. Yeah, they're about a nine-win team, and then they they got skull drug by TCU in a in a bowl game, the first six games, you know, when the playoffs started. So, congratulations, Hubert. You got skull drug. I'm bringing Jason back on. I think Jason wants to say something. Jason, what do you think about old piss and Hugh Freeze? Miss, uh, I think that is a celebrity slope. It started in the NFL draft with Tunzel um, saying that he accepted his stuff. And I I think it's only the beginning. Um, I think this year does coach this year. I don't, I don't think it's like beta that they're going to fire the coast. Um, but I, I think it's only the beginning to pull on this. I want to ask you a question, Jason, and be honest. Do you think Chip Kelly could be the next OMS head coach? Oh, there's a possibility, but um, unless or he gets fired in what? They, well, Beta has the players to want his offense right now. Um, I don't think Ole Miss has the athletes um, to run that spread that Chip Kelly does. But um, unless Chip Kelly is unemployed, um, I don't see him going back to Carter's. And um, why not? Is that the Niners? Well, thanks, Jason, for the input. Um, if I'm Baylor or Ole Miss, we're about to get into Baylor in a moment. John, anything you want to add on Ole Miss right now? What's going to happen? I think they're going to get hit very hard. I think they're going to miss some postseason play. They're going to lose some scholarships, and I think they're going to lose the coaching staff. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I think they are going to see uh, some severe sanctions, uh, as severe as they'll go nowadays. Because, uh, you know, I mean, you brought up that uh, Southwest Conference, and, you know, when they laid the death penalty at SMU, they'll never do that again, uh, even though this is pretty much the same thing that was happening back then. Um, so, mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely see a reduction of scholarships, let's say three to five a year for the next, what, four years? I can definitely see at least one postseason ban, if not two. Um, I'm definitely on board with that. Yeah, and, and, you know, if you get any kind of ban right now, what does that do for recruiting if you're not a school that's a big name, a household name? What's that going to do to Ole Miss's recruiting if they can't go to the postseason just one year? Just say one year. Completely torpedoes it. Whether they want to admit mm-hmm. it or not, it does. Kids want to be seen. Now, if this was Alabama, it would be different. It would be different. If this was Alabama and it was one year, kids would come in and redshirt or whatever, they wouldn't care. Not Alabama. It's Ole Miss. Okay, it's mm-hmm. Ole Miss. It's, it's uh, the best team out of a bad state, and and just what it's boils down to. Let's move on before we leave. We got we got to hit on Baylor right now. This is uh, quite sad, quite a sad, sad situation. But women are getting raped. Uh, coaches covering it up, knowing about it. Players are just. I mean, this is just 
when you see when you hear the words lack of institutional control, that's what you you hear here. And, and Baylor is is about to get crucified, man. They're going to get hurt real bad. They're losing all their coaches. Um, I, I don't agree with letting the defensive coordinator Bennett be the interim head coach. I believe you clean house right here. But thoughts on Baylor? I know Auburn's about to get a big time quarterback commit from them, but it looks like the whole team's running. Yeah, I mean this this situation is heinous. It is terrible. There is no, there is nothing at all that anybody could say to try and justify what happened at the university. Uh, there there is no way that these coaches and this administration there's no way they could try and explain away what they did. Uh do I think the school was right to fire their coach? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think that was a given. Uh, do I think the president deserved to be fired? Yes, I believe that was a given, too. The athletic director got put on probation. I want to say it's because he's a new guy. Um, so he, he yeah. kind of gets, uh, you weren't here for the whole thing, so we're going to let you slide for a minute, but don't screw up again. Um, do I think the whole interim coach using the defensive coordinator I have a problem with that? No, I've seen, I see that some people do. I don't understand that. I don't understand why there's a problem there. Uh, what are you going to do? You going to go hire some high school coach? Right now to take over a team, ain't getting no college guy. No college, nobody, nobody at all who has aspirations for actually being a college head coach is touching that job right now. That's career suicide. Uh, you, there, there's no winning the situation. I don't know if Bear Bryant or Nick Saban can take over that spot right now <laughs> and make a winner there. So uh, I think no. that I, the Clay Bennett thing was a good move because the offensive coordinator, if y'all didn't know, is Art Brow's son. So I think putting another Browse in charge would have been bad, too. So I, I think Baylor is showing the right steps right now, but they actually need to prove to their students they're taking the right steps. Well, Patrick Hudson, the number one offensive guard, um, Jerry Hamilton, uh, no, sorry, Patrick Hudson is the guard. He's not coming in the summer class. He's uh, – is bad. He was a top 20 in February for Baylor. He's not coming for summer. He's looking at other options. And man, it's it's bad when you start losing these people. And you know, other people are going to get ripped off of Baylor right here. It's just it's a sad thing when when women. And and this is a problem I have with it all. It's not about commitments and all this crap. This is about the police department on the campus police people, when women can't go to men in charge and, and ask for help, there's a problem. There's a big problem. And the fact that Art Browse is lying, saying that they never told him anything. There was, you know, who, who's a recruit that came from Boise State that, that came to Baylor? And he was going to go to Florida as well, must champ. And no, he doesn't want him after he found out. Kids have a oh. bad record. I cannot remember his name now. If Florida won't touch you, you know you've got to be pretty bad. If Florida accepts you, you know you've got to be you got to be below the scum of the earth. And but Art Bryle said that Peterson never warned him of that. Come on, let's get real. Peterson told him he took him anyway, and there you go. There you have it. I mean Baylor is. Baylor's done. They're the SMU. I think, you know, Penn State was bad. You know, that was terrible. 
now here's another Penn State on their hands right here, John. This is another Penn State. The only difference is instead of children getting sexually assaulted, you have women, which to me, it's, it's, it's worse to a Penn State. But this is terrible now. After all, I have to for this to come out. And I don't think this is the last school we hear about. I don't, I don't think Baylor's, I think there are others going to come out now and women are going to be bold and come out and Stephen and maybe lie or something. But I think you're going to start hearing some stories, Jonathan, about other schools involved and stuff like this. Well, I mean, there, the, the problem with the rape culture, if you will, of the American university is that, um, and, and like I've, I've seen it go both ways. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a bias here, but the one that stuck with me more was the false accusation. And there's been a lot of false accusations. And the problem with a false accusation is that even if a guy is cleared, people don't believe it. And that's a huge problem in today's society. So the, what we need to do, if, if, especially at Baylor, who is a private Baptist university, if I need to remind you all of that, that is a private <laughs> religious institution, okay? Uh, I mean, damn, really? Well, I mean, you got two private universities in, in the state of Texas, you know, private religious ones, the TCU and Baylor. One, they're letting the players rape everybody. The other one, they're letting the players sell coke to everybody. I mean, y- y'all morals that backwards in Texas? I mean, dear God. Really? It's about football. And it's about football. Oh, my. Jonathan, I guess. Jonathan, let's we... take a call from Atlanta real quick. Let's take a call real quick. <laughs> don't like to leave them on hold. You're on way in sports. Mm-hmm. Is this? This is Naj in Atlanta. What's up, man? Hey, bud. How's it going? Uh, it was all right, man. I ain't talked to you guys since the Super Bowl. But anyway, man. Uh, Hello, man. Yeah, that, yeah, you know, it was a tough one. But but this is a real important story, and the, the biggest factor in it is that the football team is being used right now. Uh, basically, what you had going on at Baylor was there was no real investigation or consequences anywhere on campus, meaning frat houses, parties, everywhere, anywhere where a woman may have possibly been assaulted or there was some kind of, you know, some kind of risky thing going on, uh, it wasn't explored. It wasn't investigated. And the fact that the football team had a few of them, you know, the the headline grabbing move is to throw the football team under the bus, and then that way you don't get into the lack of institutional control all across the board. So Art Bryles and company just basically became the scapegoat for that whole university, like wait, wait till all of this stuff comes out and you start seeing that all across the board, everywhere. Uh, if you were a female student on that campus and something happened to you, uh, it just wasn't going to be pursued. And the football player angle is a way for people to not only not look at the university uh, for what they let go on, but also so when you get Art Browns out and you bring in a new regime, you can say, Stevie, wipe the slate clean. Now we're starting over. When in reality, everybody needs to go. You're talking about from the president on down uh, for this to happen on your watch. And we're not talking about, you know, uh, there hasn't been an investigation like in the last two years or so. Like this goes back a ways, man. So this, this Baylor story, just I'll just say just wait until everything comes out 
And as we know oh. the NCAA, like we do, uh, this is one of the few schools that they'll actually punish. So I'm sure they'll try to throw something, you know, similar mm-hmm. to the death penalty at them. But, yeah, the football team. So is it going to affect more than the football program? Is it going to affect basketball, baseball? I mean, are all programs, are all sports going to be put on probation, or is it just going to be the football, you think? I, I think when everything comes out, uh, yeah, everybody's going to have some trouble as far as uh, their department, just just because of funding, just because of the, the ugly mark that's going to come on that, on that university. Because, like I said, we're not just talking about athletics. The athletic department – it's just one area, and they're, they're uh, pushing all the attention there so people don't look everywhere else. And if you guys have ever been on a, a big-time university like that, uh, you, you pretty much know in those frats, <laughs> at those frats, man, that, that's the most likely place for something real sketchy to happen, and it's been frequent on that campus. And it makes you scared if you have kids out there that, and I don't that are in, you know, the college age. I mean, would you let your daughter go to, I mean, how do you feel about sending your daughter off to college and letting her join a sorority and being on campus? And I, I don't think Baylor's the only problem. I think it's, this could be rampant. Oh, yeah, this is a nationwide mm-hmm. problem, definitely. Uh, the idea of date rape drugs are out there everywhere. Uh, the same old hierarchy exists as far as, you know, putting pressure on people. Uh, to get them in certain situations. And then just the fact that some dudes, you know, don't have any control over themselves and think that they can take what they want. So, I mean, we've had that problem a long time, and now, you know, more stories are coming out about it. But I would just say to everybody, Baylor and Tennessee, just notice how they're trying to throw all of this on the football team so you don't look at the whole campus. Why? Because, hell, you don't want to lose, you know, people coming to enroll. You don't want to lose alumni donating. Because if you got big-time alums, the last thing they want to read about is a scandal like this campus-wide and make some kind of hesitance to write that check. That's a good point. Very good point. Um, it's the same reason North Carolina threw that whole academic scandal on the athletics. They didn't want people to see that as a, an actual institutional problem. You're, you're dead right on that. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, and I'll tell you something else, man. If you think that North Carolina is the only place that's going on, you know what I mean? It is what it is. <laughs> Big-time big time college sports needs to be revamped. We need to figure out a system to where it's somewhat semi-pro, and then we can have actual student-athletes at the universities playing, and, and it won't be as good, and it won't be as, you know, big TV ratings. That'll kind of shift to where the talent goes. But this whole facade of, of, of student-athletes, when some of these kids just want to go to school because they have to in order to play their sport, I don't fault the kids for that. I fault the institution who claims to be, uh, you know, this paragon of higher learning but is willing to, you know, cut corners and, and, and give up on all morals and integrity uh, in the chase of the dollar. So to hell with all of them in my mind. Yeah, and the college football, they make you stay three years Really, you have to be there three years to be able to go to the NFL. They may need to, to revisit that, but if they do that, guys, it's going to suck. Look at college basketball, how much it suffered. I mean, yep. kids are even having to go one year. I mean, college basketball is almost unwatchable right now. And then the NBA is well, struggling because you have all these kids that that come into the NBA and they don't play for four or five years because they're not they're, they're 180 pounds. Jonathan, what were you going to say? 
there's a way around the rule. I mean, I mean that's 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 the thing that people forget is that there's ways around the whole these kids got to go to college. I mean, if a kid wants, he can go play semi-pro football. There, there's no rules against that. He, a kid can go play semi-pro football for three years and, and then go to the NFL. A kid can go play uh, basketball in Europe for a year and go to the NBA. We've seen kids do that. Brandon Jennings did it. You know, I mean, so there's ways for these kids to get around having to go to college. It's just yeah, the, the, they just allowed to. But, but those ways are so much on the outside of where you're trying to go that it makes more sense to go to where the monopolies are already set up. The problem is if if they had a legit, real other option, then I would say do it. But but if you're going to go play in the arena league for you know the, the small pay that you play that you get for playing in that league, you're putting up a lot of risk as opposed to playing you know for a college team. So all of the things that are in the university are what should be in our semi-pro teams. But here's a whole other problem to that. Uh, we as Americans don't like semi, semi-pro anything, like to a, to, a, to a real high extent. You know what I mean? Like we're not real big on semi-pro. So it would be real difficult to get the whole, you know, camaraderie and pageantry of, of, of what college athletics is supposed to be and get that in the semi-pro. Because, you know, there, there's a reason some of us watch the Rose Bowl, even if it's two teams that aren't that good. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know if you can translate that with enough – with another way, but it, any any other skill thing in America, uh, you're able to go work, man. If, if you're the best coder, look, the companies are going to uh, fight over you, and you're going to get a good job because you're a talented person, and, and you should be rewarded for that. And I, yeah, I think but you got to go to college and get your degree too for that. Now, come on, I mean, we got to uh, say an athlete, hey, stop being a retard for two minutes and go get a degree. I mean, that's that's, that's what we that's what we're saying is, hey, we get it. You didn't have to do anything from like middle school. You haven't had to face edge because you can run a four four forty. So you know, congratulations. <laughs> but um, you got to go get an education for three years. Hold on, hold on. First of all, because for me to go to sports broadcasting, I got to get a degree. Right, but did they get out of bed doing the four four forty? No, they worked hard on that. They put all of their eggs in that basket. They had to master their craft at football, basketball, golf, tennis, whatever it is. They put the time in to be that good. Uh, typically, the problem becomes they probably didn't put as much time in athletics, I mean in uh, academics, as they did athletics. Now, like I said, if you're a coder, nobody's worried about what degree you have. If you're the best coder in the world, they're bidding for you. They're coming to get you. If you're a violinist, you can go to college and get money while you're, you work while you're in college. You know what I mean? If you're a pianist, you can go there and get money. Uh, while, you, while you're showing off your skill there. So the idea that only athletes should be the ones who can't get paid and, and have to be put into this system that benefits everybody else except them, uh, it's archaic. And it, it's but it's not only athletes. It's not only – I mean, the people who try to go into the healthcare profession, they're stuck in the, in the same similar situation. If you're trying to go be a doctor, you're leaving school with $250,000 of debt. You know, I mean, it's it's not like they're they're able to work as they're going through it. You know, they got to spend as much time as they do mastering their craft because not for nothing, they got their hands and you know your 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 life in their hands. So yeah, you know, you, that's only because I know some that have done it. comparison though, because you're talking but about it's not. Of... You just said they got to work so hard on their craft that they can't work, oh, and now we're saying that I'm the same situation. Hold on, guys. Hold on, hold on. I can't understand two people talking. Indeed. But but I'll explain why that's not an apples-to-apples apples comparison. 
uh, that doctor who goes to college is not ready to go into a medical facility and perform work uh, before finishing college. He's not in college because, uh, you know, we need you here and other people are going to benefit from you. He's there because he has to finish his training. I'm saying a DN is a DN is a DN. If that kid is good enough to play in the NFL, uh, sitting behind under Urban Meyer is not going to make him good enough for the NFL. You know what I mean? So that, that's a, but how that's many of them kids are truly thing. ready at 18? I mean, how uh, many are truly ready nobody. at 18 and 19? Nobody. Nobody. Physically, nobody. That's why the semi-pro option, I believe, has to be there. But the semi-pro option has to be something that's really viable. It can't be this thing where you're going somewhere paying, getting 300 bucks a game. You know what I mean? It, it has to be something that's actually relative to their talent and what they produce. Because right now, they're producing billions. I mean, that, yeah, but how much money are you going to pay NFL. a kid coming out of high school? How much are you going to pay a kid coming out of high school to mm-hmm. play football? Like, semi-pro, are you going to be able to pay them enough to live on for an entire year, or should they have to work playing semi-professional football? So I think they should have to work a regular job like everybody else and play semi-pro football until they make it to the NFL. I don't, I don't like not working and getting paid a lot of money playing semi-pro. You gotta you gotta pay your dues. What do you think, Doc? So, so so the top botanist in his field, he has to go work at Home Depot, or or is he gonna be able to get scholarships, get grants, and get all types of of money while he's in school? No, we're talking about the top one percent of one percent of talented people in America at a particular thing. Every other area of study in college is able to get paid and work and work in their field. So I'm saying the same thing should be available to football players. That's all I'm saying. I'm not sitting here saying that they should get yep. some huge check that isn't, you know, verified by what they bring in. And we're also talking about universities who have economic departments. If they want to figure this out about how much those kids should get paid, they could easily do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, they make a lot of money in college, guys. I mean, good Lord. It's, it's, but here's the deal. they In college, Jonathan, they won't let you work because you don't have time. Now colleges are – or the, if you play college football, now about 100% of your time, Jonathan, is taken up now. Before, you'd have a little break, but now these coaches are, are having these summer workouts and everything, and it's just too much on a student athlete to be able to make good grades and play football, don't you think? No. Indeed. No, I don't. I don't think that. I think if, if a kid actually wants to get good grades, he'll get good grades. You know, the, the coaches, they keep dialing back how many hours a coach can actually get of a player a week. All right, so it's not like they're spending 24 hours a day playing football. They're, you're spending maybe six a day focused on football. Let's say I'm giving you ten to sleep. You got all that other time. Okay, you got another eight eight hours to figure <laughs> no, out your studies. That's not how it works, man. Not only do you have uh, your class requirements, you have your film requirements with the team. You also have your uh, your requirements to come in and make sure you're in, in the right shape, meaning running, weight room. Yep. Uh, you have to come to your study hall sessions. Like, all of your time is pretty much mapped out. There is what no time for a study job. Study hall fall into academics? I'm, I'm not talking about a job. I'm saying academics. I'm saying these kids can still be good students. You know, I'm saying, I, you know that, yeah. that is my thing right now. Yeah, see, and they that's, get, that's they're going to get a stipend. You know that. Right, but that's the kind that the universities run. Because if they were honest and said some of these kids aren't qualified to get into our school and they can't do the work, so they wouldn't bring them in. 
But the fact that they want them there, they're willing to, they're willing to overlook that, put the kids in there, uh, get them in, in classes that won't require much by professors who are more likely to turn a blind eye, and then act as if they're about education. When in the reality, if they were really about education, they would tell these kids they have to go to a junior college first, and then they'll be able to come to the university when they're able to do the work. But if you bring somebody in who can't do the work and then turn around and say, this kid, this kid is flunking out. I mean, like, come on, man. It's, it's, it's not an honest discussion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I see that. I see that. Yeah. It looks like yeah. taking a fifth okay. grader to a high school and telling them, hey, man, get <laughs> we need a 2.5 <laughs> out of your kid. <laughs> and then the kids, I can't do it. Well. <laughs> What's wrong with you, boy? What's wrong with you? Are you slow? What's wrong? No. The kid is not prepared for college, as we know. And they shouldn't be. They shouldn't have them in there. But they'll do everything from cheating on a SAT to you know, fudging like whatever they have to do in order to to put up the 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 facade of education. And it, it's a shame. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it is. You're you're exactly right. Well, well, Naj, I appreciate you calling in, bud. Call in more frequently, and we'll we'll get you on here. But Jonathan, just a couple more minutes before we go. Um, there's some a lot of things happening in college football. We're about to get into uh, we're about to get into summer, aren't we? Seeing what's going on with your teams, kind of being able to fill out how good your Florida State Seminoles are going to be, how good Auburn maybe be. I don't know. It's it's just alive. When, when do you want to start breaking down some college football? What month are we looking at? You thinking June, end of June, first of July? I'm gonna say June, but next week. So we could. Um... We could start there. We could start breaking down some teams. Um, you know, it, it's that time of year where everybody's getting on campus and they're starting to figure everything out. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm pretty excited to see um, how these summer camps turn out and, uh, you know, hopefully everybody avoids that, that one injury. Oof. Or that one arrest. Before uh, well, time. Yeah. Oh, it's, always, it's always close. You know, the worst time to me is that that couple weeks before the season starts or before you have to report in for fall. That's what concerns me, man, is just waiting, crossing your fingers, hoping that your best player doesn't get thrown in jail. That's, that's what worries you. And that, that's where it comes to recruiting good high character and kids. But, again, kids are stupid. Most of them are. And just like Naj said, you mm-hmm. know, looking at them, I mean, they come in, they're not they're not ready for school. They're not ready for that. And all of a sudden they get there and a lot of pressure and they, they crumble. But something will be done because here's the deal. College football makes so much money. There's so much money being made with these playoffs now. I mean, you look at the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12, all the money, the Big 12, all the money they divide evenly. Come on. I mean, this is getting almost – Sir, this is worse than Wall Street. Watching college football people, how much money they're making in these schools. It's, I mean, it's worse. You talk, you talk about, you hear Bernie Sanders always talk about Wall Street. Well, we start talking about the SEC a little bit, you know? A big 10 for yeah. the money they're making. This is, a big, this is the biggest scam there is. Letting players get out there and risk their bodies. And, and, and yeah, they're 5% are getting that education, probably, a real education, but. The other guys are being used for three years by this college to uh, to win them football games and generate revenue for their schools. So something needs to be done. Right. I mean, I think that there's 
you know, with, with everything coming up, I, I think there's obviously that worry of which kid's going to get hurt, which kid's going to get rested. And, of course, there's always the which one decided to not go to the last three weeks of his summer class and wound up with a one nine one a one nine four instead of a two point oh so he could play ball. You know, I mean I honestly I do think that you know, seeing that you know I'm in college and seeing what I've dealt with, I think there's more lazy, apathetic, and just downright grown up stupid kids nowadays. I really believe that's what it is. I mean, just growing growing up, their parents didn't teach them nothing. Just said, "Hey, there's a TV. Go sit in front of it." Honestly, I believe there's some of the dumbest individuals I have met are inside of a college classroom. I'm in class with a couple of them right now. So, you know, I I think you know what a minor league system. And see, this is me. Everybody needs to understand. The NFL would love to do a minor league system. They do not want to piss off the NCAA because they've had a great relationship with them for a long time. And not for nothing, but if one side had to win, was going to win, it'd be the NCAA. Because more people like college football than like pro football. You know, not everybody's an alum of the, of the Carolina Panthers. A lot of people are alums of Auburn Tigers. You know, so I, I think the NFL might start to develop a developmental league but they're still going to keep the age restriction because they do not want to step on the NCAA's toes. This isn't going to change. The NCAA is not going to start paying guys fifty grand a year to come play ball and not get an education. Right? The NCAA is not going to use themselves as a minor league organization. But they give you a free education every year. You're going to get room. Uh, you know, you're going to get your room and board. You're going to get a meal plan. You're going to get an allowance each month, like a lot of them do, okay? And a lot of schools are going to turn a blind eye whenever something free is being given to you or whenever you're getting more money. Okay, that happens all the time, too. So we need to stop looking at the 1% of kids who scream and cry that they're starving. Okay, Shabazz Napier, guys like that, you're the star athlete at your program. You're not starving. Don't lie to me. I know Booster just bought you a steak for bringing home a national title. All right? So I, I, we need to stop looking at this 1% who are screaming and yelling that they ain't making no money. We got 1% is going to go make money. They always complain about four months for the draft. They hit the draft and all of a sudden they're supposed to cash. Okay, that's the issue I'm having right now with, with, with this whole thing. I would love it if they the league. Y'all ain't going to let it happen. Y'all are too dumb and too greedy to let it happen. It could have happened. But ain't nobody got a damn sense in their mind. And it, I, that's, that's the issue here. Basketball has the D-League. Nobody cares. And it's not even from the standpoint of that – that it's not good because you see good players coming in and out of the D League, guys who are all Americans in college. Okay, it's just the the NBA doesn't want to step on the NCAA's toes, so there's a real power struggle there. There obviously is, and it won't be resolved anytime soon. All right. Well, thank you, Jonathan. Thanks everybody out there for listening. We're gonna have a show this week sometime. Hopefully, if not, we'll be back Sunday night. But look at our Facebook and our Twitter to be able to see upcoming showtime. That's where we'll announce it. Um, Everybody, thanks for listening tonight. Enjoy your Memorial Day, and we'll see you next week. God bless.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.